Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Episode 33 of Travel Talks. <laughs> and today we're talking with Andrew Henderson, who is an absolute legend of the football freestyling world, isn't he? Yeah, some people say that he's the best football freestyler of all time. And for some reason, he's extremely decorated. Five world championships, eight UK national championships, and too many Guinness World Records to even begin to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> we wanted to get him on the show to talk about his success in what is an extremely competitive field, but also mm. to chat about some of the amazing travel he's done with his job because he has gone everywhere. Yeah, travelling to some of the most far-flung countries in the world and some of the most popular ones too. Performing in Brazil for the World Cup, Olympic finals and of course meeting some incredible footballers on the way too. Yeah, I mean, let's get into that a little bit. <laughs> Playing alongside some of the biggest names in the sport. And we're talking Messi, Ronaldo, both iterations of, of Ronaldo, yeah. Brazilian and Portuguese. <laughs> Neymar, David Beckham and what it takes to become a five-time world champion. These are just some of the things coming up in this episode. Incredible, absolutely incredible. It's you. It's like you're in the Bahamas or somewhere. It really is. It's unbelievable. And after I did my performance, David's um, managers came up to me and they said, uh, "Sir David Beckham has requested you backstage." And I was like, "Okay, sweet." <laughs> so then I went backstage and they just shut the doors and it was just me and him chilling for like you know a good 30, 40 minutes just chatting. So if I go to China or if I go to Vietnam or something, I have a local guy there who will just like introduce me to his like family, cook for me, we'll travel around. He'll show me like all the best local spots that like, you know, a tourist wouldn't know. So that's definitely one of like the, the best parts I'd say about being a freestyler. So Andrew Henderson, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on Travel Talks, a massive, massive guest. But first of all, how are you doing? I'm good. Thanks for having me on here, man. It's good to be on here. Good to chat to you guys. I'm actually out in the garden here today. It was super sunny up until just a moment ago. And now, <laughs> don't worry, it might start raining soon. But I think probably it doesn't. Typical. I like that. Our fresco podcast recording. I mean, very good. Very good. Um, we've got loads that we want to get into and talk to you about because, you know, you've got so many experiences. But we start off with a big one which is the question we ask all of our guests to begin with, which is simply, how important is travel to you? Oh, man, it's, do you know what? It's, it's, it's such a big part of my life. And I've been traveling since I was 17, pretty much nonstop with uh, doing freestyle football, you know, traveling around the world. I've been to around about 50 different countries. So, I mean, it's pretty much made up, you know, a lot of my life. And yeah, it's just it's so such a big deal for me just my well-being as well even with like the pandemic the last year or so now not being able to travel as much it's just been been pretty difficult for me i'd say um it's been a bit of a change because i went from traveling two or three countries a month for 10 years to barely traveling at all so yeah it's been it's been a bit of a challenge so yeah it's a it's a big part of my life so it's, it's a massive deal yeah yeah, I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that. I want to take us all the way back, Andrew, now to the start of your life, your childhood, growing up in Cornwall. We've spoken about Cornwall quite a lot on this podcast, but what did family holidays look like to you? Did you spend a lot of time in Cornwall or did you like to go further afield? Cornwall's such a nice place and I guess that's probably why you guys have been talking about it. It's like probably the holiday spot for everyone right now who can't travel abroad and uh, it is getting flooded down there. I'm getting calls all the time like about like, oh, where's the best place to go in Cornwall because people know I'm from there and that sort of mm-hmm. thing. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I, of course I traveled. Um, as a kid, like my 
my dad would take me skiing quite a lot. So I grew up like skiing and snowboarding. So I'd always go to the French Alps or to Austria. And then my, we had a camper van as well growing up. So nice. you'd drive to, to the south of France and um, up to London sometimes as well. So, so yeah, I've always been like very outdoorsy. That's kind of like camping and stuff like that. So we go on camping holidays and things like that, yeah. There's a nice variety of stuff there like that. You just said about people calling you and texting you, kind of like bugging you about places to go in Cornwall. Well, we're going to do exactly the same thing right now. <laughs> Recently, we on an episode, we did like a, a tier list of places to go in the UK. And um, we both actually, to be fair, spoke pretty highly about Cornwall. So as someone that grew up there, a little bit of local knowledge would be great. So what are some of the must-dos for anyone that's adding it to their list this summer? Well, I think it depends on your age. It depends on your interests. Like, personally, I love Falmouth and I love St. Ives. Like, they're the two places I'd recommend the most, I would say, especially if you want to go and just, like, they're the places I like, so they're the places I recommend. They've got nice beaches, cafes, and, like, pubs. And even if it's only for the outdoor seating for the pubs, like, mm. it doesn't really matter because in Cornwall, like, you're always outside anyway. There's all these like beach bars and things like that. So that's pretty cool. Um, if you like walking along the cliffs and stuff, I would say, yeah, St. Agnes is nice. Perrin Porth as well. Those are the, the place to go. But I'd say, I'd say you guys probably like Falmouth for St. Ives. Yeah. Okay. Okay. The Islands, the Isles of Skilly is something I was looking at recently. Isles of Skilly, yeah. What are they like? Yeah. It's not, it's, it's a silent sea in it. So okay. Silly, yeah. Isles of Skilly. Um, incredible absolutely incredible it's you it's like you're in the bahamas or somewhere it really is it's unbelievable yeah i've been there a few times you have to take you have to either go to land's end in uh penzance which is like as far south as you can get in the country southwest anyway um so yeah you can take a boat from there or you can take a, a small helicopter or a plane over and it's about an hour i think from cornwall but it's amazing it's like paradise really so if you can get there I don't know if they're open. If they are open, then yeah, I'd give that a go, definitely. Yeah. That has just gone to the top of my list. <laughs> yeah, it's incredible, honestly. You can walk for like, you know, the whole day and not bump into a single person and you're, you know, in amongst like everywhere you look, like three sixty, like it's a beautiful view and yeah, man. You're making me miss miss home actually. I'm going back in a few weeks, so yeah, you're making me miss it. Nice. Sweet. So let's move on now to talk about freestyle football, of course, an absolutely massive part of your life. But before we learn about some of the incredible places that the sport has taken you, I wondered if you could tell us the motivational story about how you took to the sport in the first place. Yeah, so I grew up um, playing loads of different sports. Uh, my first love was football, but then I quickly moved on to playing rugby. I had some bad, like, kind of like little school things um, that stopped me playing football for a while, you know, little, like, politics with parents. Mm things like that getting in the way you know parent coaches and things like that so I started playing rugby and rugby is really big down south so yeah I was playing a lot of rugby and I had a bad injury playing rugby when I was 16 broke my leg in five places got a metal plate and nine screws inserted in there and um yeah I was like it was probably the worst thing that's happened to me because at the time the doctor said that I might not ever be able to walk again maybe not even ever be able to play sport again or walk again so yeah it was pretty crazy thing to hear because I grew up like loving sport it was like the only thing that I really had a big passion for and um to get told that you might not be able to do it again is was like pretty crazy so yeah, during my recovery, just sitting at home with my leg in the cast. I was actually revising for my GCSEs. I was supposed to be revising for my GCSEs. <laughs> so I was just kind of on the painkillers, not really knowing what was next in my life. And um, saw some videos of some guys doing some skills. And I was like, this is pretty cool. Maybe I can like learn how to balance the ball in my head a bit. So I was practicing that. There's a video online of me like doing skills with, with my cast on as well. Like so. Oh, wow. I'll dig it up and, and show you guys at some point. But yeah, I kind of um, started doing the skills a bit, balance on the side of my head and my neck. And then when I started walking again, like doing more of the standing up tricks and it helped me with the rehab. And then I made a full recovery. Um, and I just kind of developed such a passion for the skills at that point. I didn't even make, know you could make a living from freestyle. I just thought it was kind of like, I don't know, like a side thing of football, like, you mm -hmm. know, skills then I found out there was all these competitions and things like that so I was like all right cool maybe I'll, I'll start training for them and then I started competing and started doing well and I was like all right cool and then I thought that would just be it I was doing my A-levels I won the UK champs when I was 17 a manager approached me and he was like 
I can make this your full-time job. And I was like, no, you can't. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about, mate? Um, and he's like, yeah, I can make this your full-time job. I was like, okay, all right, that sounds good. I mean, <laughs> I traveled from Cornwall to London pretty much every weekend that year doing performances. It was like the small things at the start, like schools, um, kind of workshops, just anything really, like charity performances, that sort of thing. Yeah, then it just kind of went from there. Then I was like, okay, I want to be the best at this and I kept training. That was always kind of my aim with any sport that I did. I wanted to be mm. like world champion or play for my country or something. I've always been like very ambitious. My father trained judo with the Olympic squad and he missed out on the Olympics because my mom was pregnant at the time. And it was just like he was teaching and he would have to sacrifice that job and he couldn't do it. So I think that kind of as a kid was in the back of my mind somewhere. I didn't really realize at the time, but now mm. looking back on it, it was there and like, push me to like be very ambitious and stuff so yeah the, then I started competing more and uh, won a few world championships national championships and that sort of thing so yeah that's pretty much it I love how you casually that down, you're just yeah. like yeah it's like oh, I won a few world championships you know no biggie whatever yeah. <laughs> it's weird man because it's like I don't like to think about it too much now you know I can talk about it in interviews and stuff but I don't like to think back too much and be like yeah I'm a five-time world champion and stuff because that was in the past and now I'm like, I've got goals and stuff. And I don't want to be like one of these people who achieve their goals very young and then kind of live their life based on those previous achievements. You know, I still got lots of life left to live, you know, so I want to live it and I got a lot of ambition still. So I'm kind of very forward thinking. Absolutely. Just to take us back uh, a little bit to that stage, you said you were going from Cornwall to London quite frequently. You moved to London, didn't you, at the age of 19? How did you find that change of lifestyle as someone who grew up in Cornwall, quite a, a quiet lifestyle, moving to London, one of the most hectic cities in the world? How did you adjust to that? Yeah, that's a good question. So a lot of people in Cornwall, I think they either go one way or the other. You know, they either want to stay in Cornwall the whole of their life and they never want to leave and everywhere else is scary to them. Mm. You know, I've got a lot of friends like that. They never leave Cornwall. If I go back tomorrow, even if I haven't seen them for 10 years, they'll be telling me like, what have you been up to, mate? I haven't seen you in a while, have I? And I'll be like, nah, it's been like 10 years. And they'll be like, <laughs> I haven't been up to much of you. And I'll be like, well, a fair bit. It's been 10 years. Yeah. You know, it's like that sort of mentality down there with a lot of people. And then the other way is like, they just want to get out and explore. And, you know, they know they're in a small place. So yeah, that was my attitude from an early age. I always wanted to explore the world. So London was a, a place that I always wanted I could always see myself living in as a kid I remember I went there on a school trip when I was about 14 and I fell in love with the place and I was like I've, I've got to live here one day um in the big city because I always saw it as a place where that would be where all the opportunities were yeah it was an easy transition I actually moved to like southwest London when I when I moved to to London so still near parks and the river and that sort of thing so it was a bit more relatable mm, yeah around me than than, than it would be if I moved directly in like the middle of the city, for example. So yeah, it was yeah. right. Fair enough. Okay. So 2011 was the year that you became the youngest freestyle football world champion. Putting yourself back into that position, you're a 19 year old, you're traveling to places that aren't the norm for most young people, you know, far from places like Malaysia. How did you find that experience of traveling and performing on the other side of the world at, at such a young age? Yeah. Um, I think you just kind of roll with it, you know, like at that age, you don't really know like any better really. I think with a lot of things, you know, it's just kind of, I went in as the underdog. No one believed in me at the time. I was the youngest guy there. Everyone was kind of like, no one was betting like that I would win that competition. Mm. And, you know, I trained really hard. I felt like I had a good chance, but I didn't really know mm. to be honest. And then when I got there, I just took it round by round. I think it's very easy to look too far into the competition. It's like, even now, like today and yesterday, now that the Euros is like a month away, I can hear a lot of people talking about England and like, maybe England can win this year. It's like, they've got to get past the first game, then the second game. And mm. it's like, I think that was the mentality I had going in because I wasn't sure if I could pass the first round. I really didn't know. Mm. And um, I realized after winning that competition, that's that's probably the best way to approach it. Just focus on the first round of the competition. It's a knockout format. You go against one opponent from a country and then if you lose, you're out. If you win, you're through to the next round and so on. So uh, yeah, that's that's just the way I took it. It, it was an overwhelming experience really, 
But once you get on the stage, everything about traveling there and knowing you're in the top 16 in the world and stuff like that, it just goes. You're just focusing on the moment and doing the best tricks you can. So that's what I'm good at. So that's what I focused on. Yeah. Aside from the, the win itself in Kuala Lumpur, what do you remember about your time there? Because it's quite, I've been there and it's quite an interesting city. Do you remember much about exploring while you were there? Yeah, it's incredible. I went to the Batu Caves. I don't know if you went mm. to them. They're, they were incredible. I really liked them. The big uh, Buddha statue, the gold Buddha statue there. And yeah, it was nice. And into the little markets and the food's incredible. Went to the Patronus Towers as well there was so so nice and like wherever I go in the world I just like exploring different cultures you know even if it's like even if I don't really enjoy the experience it's a different experience so I like have some good memories from there but it was kind of a blur for me Malaysia like apart from those places like it was kind of a blur because I was so focused on the competition sometimes when I travel for competitions I don't really get to explore the place as much as I'd like and even if we go to the bathroom caves and places like that my mind is still Mm. like focused on the competition I don't Mm. really take myself away from it I think everyone approaches them competitions differently it's a beautiful place Malaysia um i'd like to explore more of it and i'd love to go back to kuala lumpur and explore more of it maybe you can tell me uh some re- some good recommendations you know sure sure so football freestyle has allowed you to travel around the world to more countries than we can even begin to talk about but in terms of cities and countries this is a big question and it might not come to your mind straight away but where is the favorite place in the entire world that the sport has ever taken you? I, I, I really, I'm going to find it hard to say one. Like, definitely Go on, give us a few. Brazil's definitely up there. Spent like a good few months in Brazil during the 2014 uh, World Cup year. Mm. Um, when the World Cup was over there, I, I went around Rio to Salvador da Bahia. I won the World Championships in Salvador that year, as well as spending a month there in Rio for the World Cup and Sao Paulo and Fortaleza. So like Brazil... Just all of Brazil that I've been to was incredible. Oman as well. That's kind of an unusual place. Okay. I've been there, but I went to Muscat and I really liked that as well. It was just like very different to anywhere I've ever been. Big culture shock for me. So that was that was a good experience. Say those those two probably stand out. Um, South Africa as well, like Cape Town. That's a, that's a good place as well. Definitely recommend going there. Okay. So at the start of this podcast, you mentioned about how travel being important to you, almost in a reflective sense, you know, looking back on what you've done and realizing how, how essential the travel has been around that. And with the job that you have, it's, it's a lot of travel, but there's a lot of work around it, you know, and the idea of working and competing to the level that you've been competing at, it can obviously take its toll, a lot of traveling, a lot of competition. So in the, in the height of your competitive days, well, first of all, how often were you traveling? How often were the competitions? Uh, they weren't that frequent, actually. The competitions were, you know, maybe three or four a year. Uh, yeah, three or four a year. But I would do a lot of performances, commercials, that sort of thing in different countries as well. So I was constantly traveling. Was, was the travel something that you looked forward to or was it just part of the job? It was. I mean, I was massively always looking forward to traveling. Even if it was to like, I don't know, like somewhere else in England, I would, I would love to travel. I just like to explore new places. I really just like love going to different places and having different experiences. I'm always up for adventure. So even if it's like some other part of the UK, I'm, I'm down for it usually. So yeah. A real thirst for it. Love it. All right. So Andrew, you've worked with not only some of the biggest footballers currently in the game, but I'm going to say the biggest footballers in the history of the game. So you've got the likes of Messi, Ronaldo, Neymar, Harry Kane. There's just some incredible names in there that you can't even get your mind around. But of all the footballers that you've met, who would you say that you've enjoyed working with most? Has there been one footballer who's kind of got on board with what you're doing a little bit more than others? Yeah, I mean, all the Brazilians, man, they just look like they, they love the flair, the, the skills, like the freestyle stuff. So I would say like all the Brazilians, man, like Cafu, mm. Roberto Carlos, Rivaldo, uh, Brazilian Ronaldo, like wow. all these guys, they, they, lo- they just love freestyle. Neymar as well, like they just... They love the skills. It's part of their culture, I'd say. So, you know, when I traveled to Brazil as well, just like going into a favela and doing skills with the the, the guys there and like, mm. you know, it's like, it's a different world there. That's what they grew up with. So, um, yeah, it's kind of strange. Like you, everyone always asks me, like, I'm the best freestylers from Brazil. And um, like, there are a lot of really good freestylers from there, but they're always surprised when like a, a gringo, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. so yeah, it's funny. <laughs> if I asked you to make a five-side team of all the players that you've worked alongside, could you put that together for us? 
can Messi and Ronaldo play together? I, I, I don't think. <laughs> I think they'd find a way. They'd find a way. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know what? Like it's hard because obviously you got Brazilian Ronaldo, and for me, Ronaldo Lima is like my favorite player ever. So he's got to be in there. David Beckham in there. I'd say. Oh, who's in the who's in the defense? Roberto Carlos. Mm-hmm. For five aside as well. Like yeah. you've got to have these guys. Like yeah, they they all grew up playing futsal. So I'd probably put Roberto Carlos in there. Beckham's got to be in there. Who's in goal, though? That's the thing. Who've I worked with that's in goal? Julio Cesar. Cesar's good as well, and he's Brazilian, so he fits with those guys. David Seaman. That could be Mm. funny. (laughs) (laughs) Seaman's like one of the most underrated goalkeepers ever, I reckon. He was so good, man, back in the day for Arsenal. I'll put Seaman in there. Nice. Nice. That's a strong team. What a team. So as I kind of want to get some context here. So as like, you know, a young lad from Cornwall, when you're first getting these opportunities and you're kind of being asked to work with the likes of, you know, Messi, Ronaldo, Brazilian Ronaldo, you know, Neymar, etc. What was that like? You know, what was it like to kind of being thrown into that world and, and meeting those people? Were you starstruck at all or did it kind of come naturally? I've only been starstruck by one player ever and that was Bex. Like, um... <laughs> nice. Like, he's just like, I don't know, this, it was a weird moment meeting him. And it was kind of strange. We were both in China as well. We were in Macau, so it's next to China. And it was such a random event. Everyone was, it was all like the Chinese equivalent of the Hollywood stars of China were in Macau for this performance, for this like grand opening of a, a hotel. The guests were, David Beckham was like the main guest doing things. And I was like performing and doing an interview. And after I did my performance, David's, um, managers came up to me and they said, uh, Sir David Beckham has requested you backstage. And I was like, okay, sweet. <laughs> so then I went backstage and they just shut the doors and it was just me and him chilling for like, you know, a good 30, 40 minutes just chatting. But on the sides of the, we were on the other side of the stage pretty much, the room we're in. So you could mm-hmm. see the, like the back of the overhead projector type thing, the big projected screen, not overhead mm-hmm. projected like a big projected screen and it had um, him scoring his free kick against Greece mm. to send us to the World Cup. And, I, and he, he was, it was weird, like watching him watch that and still be emotional and then having a flashback of when I was a kid watching that moment, like with my family. It's kind of a weird, surreal experience that, yeah, that was the starstruck moment for me, I'd say, like the only time. Yeah, but apart from that, like I'm pretty chilled, chilled uh, meeting, those, meeting those players. I guess growing up in Cornwall as well, like we just... I don't know. We're kind of like, I don't know. We don't really get starstruck. I think people from Cornwall so much. I don't know what it is. Like, do you know, I think what broke it for me, that whole like, you know, superstars and like them being so different. I met one of the first stars I met was Messi. I was just like, Oh, this is going to be mad. Like, what am I going to say? You know, all this stuff. And he was just like, he just seemed like a normal guy when I met him. You know, obviously he's not, he's like one of the best football players ever, you know, but when I met him, he was just like head down, kind of shy. And I was like, oh, damn, like, he's just a normal guy. And that for me was like, it was actually quite a big motivation. I was like, okay, like, he's not like some superhuman, mm. like freak of nature. He's just like, he's like five foot six. And he's just like, his head was down. He's like a shy kid. And I was like, damn, this guy's like the most insane, but the most insane, like football ability. You know, mm. I was like, it was kind of, it blew my mind a bit. It was almost like more impressive that he was like that than, the other way around, like a big star quality about him. I love that. That's great. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. 
Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Um, this might be a tricky one to answer considering some of the stuff that you've done in your career, which is just, you know, like Alex said, it's hard to get your head around. But can you pick out a career highlight? Is there one? It's probably that first World Championships, man. Like, it was kind of... Yeah, I'd say it was that one. The first or the fifth one? It was one of the two because... Mm. The first one was very difficult to get there. Um, I, I had no one really supporting me, other, other than, like, my family close friends but like no one in the freestyle world believed in me and then the fifth one was like i knew i was going to retire so i wanted to retire having five world championships Mm. and um i had a torn hip flexor so i probably shouldn't have competed but it meant a lot to me so i'd say like yeah maybe it's either the first or the fifth world championships they're the two biggest biggest ones for me i'd say yeah amazing so let's learn more about the way you travel and your travel habits both in your working life but also in your personal life too you're not afraid to step out of your comfort zone that's abundantly clear i want to learn what is your most adventurous trip that you've ever been on oh it's tough man I, this recent trip that i've been on in mexico man like mm. uh, i'm back from cancun i was there for a month i'd say that's that's got to be the the most adventurous trip for me yeah i would say so that was that was crazy like went to cenotes and you know like dived into the water of zip lines trying to do tricks with a ball we, one day i'm like parasailing doing tricks with a ball always doing tricks with a ball like, <laughs> <laughs> um doing this doing tricks with a ball doing that doing <laughs> yeah like the next day we're on a yacht doing tricks with a ball. <laughs> like yeah it's just every day was different and being with a uh, with people from all all over the world different countries you know, we were there for a project um, that one of my friends, Daniel, Daniel Dennehy created all the house. So we were just like a house of like different freestyles. So, you know, it was pretty crazy. So we would travel around on yachts and just basically doing baller, ballers doing balling stuff. That's kind of like the concept. Yeah. Mm. So naturally with, with the job that you have, especially on the competitive side, there's a lot of pressure involved, you know, and it is, it, it almost feels like an outsider. We were talking about this before, Alex. It's almost like, it almost feels like an unfair amount of pressure based on other, other sports, right? Other, other competitive um, fields. How do you find coping with that pressure? Do you have any kind of mechanisms that you use to deal with it? So you say unfair types of pressure. Do you mean because like if you drop the ball, you mm. drop your chances and that's it? It's like individual sports? Like- yeah, but basically like, it, used to, it seemed like there's much less room for, you know, human error, which is just kind of, you know, human in the sense of every sense of it. The thing is like even recently, because I've done, you know, now I'm doing the, I've stepped over into the mixed martial arts side of things. I'm doing like cage fighting and stuff like that a bit. So even in that, man, the, the room for error is massive because you you know make one slip you can get knocked out or submitted so the consequences are bigger but i would say it's so much easier to make a mistake in freestyle that's costly in terms of winning or losing than there is in fighting mm. um the first thing to go when you're nervous is your legs you get like these jelly legs and in fighting you can kind of bounce around you know walk around the cage try and get that feeling back in freestyle when you're doing kickups with the ball if you've got jelly legs you can't do anything <laughs> and it's the worst feeling in the world and you've just got to try and deal with it in some way but it's like so obvious and the best freestylers can hide it and it's just about dealing with it like you said so i have a few different ways i deal with things the first thing is to deal with it before you get to the stage you know make sure that you go into it really focused so i always find like a quiet place and just like 
go and sort of kind of, I don't know, it's like almost like meditation. I just kind of sit and, and think, think about what it means to me. Think about basically just trying to make myself feel good, feel ready because there's doubt kind of creeps in. Like, oh, I don't know if I'm ready for this. I don't know if I train hard enough. I don't know if I'm good enough. So I start like really thinking of like, okay, but what can I do that is better than this guy? And what can this person do? How does that stack up against what I do and that sort of thing? And then I start, after thinking more and more about it and breathing, I start feeling calmer. And then when I go to the stage, I'm, I'm relaxed and I'm fired up. Yeah, I think it's different for everyone though, man. I see guys that, like some guys are jumping around, being like crazy in the backstage. I, I'm the calm one that just sits in the corner and just sort of stares at a wall like a, like a weirdo. Like <laughs> Is it the same? Would you say it's the same for when you're competing and when you're performing obviously because you know like when you're competing for a championship the pressure's high you know the stakes are high but they're they're also high if you're you know performing for a world cup final performing for an olympic final you know i don't get nervous at all performing i don't get like from like perform in front of like i could be at wembley stadium performing in front of the like full stadium full capacity halfway line music lights on me everyone watching and i wouldn't be nervous at all like it wouldn't even phase me but like if my dad was there and no one else was there i'd be like really right. yeah wow. like that's that's kind of how how i am so i actually feel like the bigger the crowd the bigger the occasion the less nervous i am if it's like a small thing where you know if you have eighty thousand people in a stadium eight five thousand people in a stadium you're gonna get cheers even if you drop the ball 10 times you'll still get claps mm. you just have like 10 people there you've got to make sure that they clap and they're engaged and they enjoy it and that's that for me is it's a more personal thing and it's it's more difficult so i find that more challenging i'd say yeah awesome you mentioned there so many different avenues that you're involved in mma freestyle business and then you've just released your new book as well how to be a better footballer so I'm intrigued to know what you think the future holds for you. Yeah, uh, that's a good one. Um, thanks, man. It's I would say for me the future. Well, I want to turn pro in MMA. I want to. Nice. I want to sports. I want to go from pro freestyle to pro fire. That's that's the next step for me. Um, but I also want to keep going with the freestyle side of things. I've kind of had this Mexico trip and freestyle with everyone over there is kind of made me like motivated again to start like putting content out and showing what's what's possible mm. to do with the football you know and um you know and the freestyle side of things so but i, I want to do both like a lot of people were saying to me oh but you got to make a choice like you if you're going to stick with the freestyle or you're going to transition and i'm like well i want to i want to do both like i want to see if i can be a profile and a pro freestyler at the same time i'm not competing anymore in freestyle so that gives me more time to train the MMA side of things. So the next year, hopefully, if everything's opened up um, fully in the UK, then I'll be traveling around competing in jiu-jitsu tournaments, having boxing matches, um, you know, wrestling tournaments, all that side of things, just to, like, get me ready for my next MMA fight and hopefully turn pro. I'm going to say in the next two years, I want to turn pro. That's my my plan, so... Hopefully nice. I do it and you can always refer back to this interview and be like, nah, you didn't do it if I didn't do it, but nah, not that. I'm going to do it. So I have you, no, we have no doubt based yeah. on your character and your, what you've done already in your career, mate. There's no question you'll, you'll achieve whatever you put your mind to. Thanks, mate. I got to put in the work though, right? Like it's, mm. it's one of those things. It doesn't just happen by saying it. I'm not one of those people that's like, if you just say it and you say it out loud and you give it out to the world, you're going to get it. I'm I'm not about that. Like for me, it's, you have to just put in the work, the hours. Like the guys I train with, I train with very good guys. I'm very lucky to have very good guys around me, UFC fighters, um, Bellator fighters mm. um, that I train with on a regular basis. And just to see the work that they put in, uh, you know, it's, I don't, I don't even, part of me wants to, I don't know if you, you guys must have seen the whole like YouTube, uh, of course. and all that stuff. Yeah, right? yeah. Like, a part of me sees that and I'm like, you know what, like maybe if I just like hype myself up a bit, challenge those guys, like getting that, do that boxing thing, that could be, that could be something. But mm. part of me just like, I don't like, it just leaves a bad taste in my mouth thinking about that sort of thing. I want to do it the real way. I want to fight mm. like proper fighters and work my way up and do it like I wasn't coming from a privileged position. 
right, you know, right. like having a following and using that to market myself in order to get opportunities ahead of time. Like I almost want to go from the ground up again, but I'm not that young anymore. So there may come a point where I'm like, fuck it, I need to switch it. Yeah. Well, if you fancy calling out Jake Paul on our podcast, mate, then feel free. <laughs> I, th- I think right now I need to, I need to raise my stock a bit first, you know, like, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm a bit real realistic with those things. Maybe to, to, uh, I need to be more optimistic sometimes with those things, but you know, if, if any, if any, if any like YouTuber or any of those guys want to, want to fight with someone and they're looking for something on, I know there's like some card like Instagram versus TikTok card coming up soon and mm. Deji and some like uh, KSI's brothers fighting on it and some other mm. guys. If they, if anyone needs a fight, like feel free to put my name in the mix guys. Cause yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much down to, to fight anyone. So that's oh, I'm what we excited want to, to watch this. It's progression. That's what we want to like, hear. You're turning pro of you. I'm excited. I want to take us back now. You mentioned it just earlier about living in Mexico at the Baller House. Um, you said you were there for a month. It kind of seemed like you were there for a little bit longer with how I saw it playing out on Instagram. Was living abroad something that always appealed to you or is that something that you want to do in the future? I mean, at the moment, living abroad, like, you know, when the weather's bad, especially like the last few months in the UK with the weather not being so good, like as it always is this time, that time of year, like, yeah, for sure, man. Like being in a hot country is great living there Mm. for a period of time. But I've always, I've toyed with the idea of living, living in LA. Sorry. Um, Mm. I've toyed with the idea of living in LA. Um, Also Barcelona. Cause I grew up by the sea. I grew up by the beach, but the thing I like about London is there's uh, stuff to do. You know, like I can always keep busy there. Cornwall sometimes is a bit, there's not too much to do there, you know? So other than go to the beach and chill, which is great, but I like being in a busy city with people mm. and energy flowing through it. So that's why I like LA because you kind of have the, the business side of things there and you've also got the beach and like, yeah. So I, I spent a month there last year and I was basically just training with UFC fighters um, but and then going to the beach. So I'd train really hard during the day with those guys and they would all just whip my ass every day. <laughs> and then, I'd, then I'd chill on the beach, try and recover a bit and pray a bit and then go back to the next session. So like, yeah, I could see myself living living in LA. Barcelona is a good one. I, I thought about doing three or four months there at one stage and I was flying back and forth, forth um, between... Barca and London um, a lot uh, at one stage because it's you know obviously there's a, it's a big football city and it's and it's a lovely lovely city as well it's got the beach and the town so mm. that's that's kind of where my head's at yeah I think I know the answer to this next question because I was just thinking based on your you know very physical athletic job when you do travel for leisure outside of work are you the sort of person that likes to put their feet up on a sun lounger or are you looking for activities and keeping yourself busy yeah, you know the answer to this, but um, it's yeah, it's yeah, I just I can't I can't I can barely sit still. Like I'm just constantly doing stuff, you know. Like even when I don't think I've done anything in a day, like at the moment I'm quarantined, coming back from Mexico. Like sometimes I don't think I've done much, and then I, if I really think back to what I did during the day, I'm like, okay, I rolled around on the on the ground like a like an animal, trying all these like jujitsu moves, like. Just when I was like waiting for the kettle to boil, you know, like mm. I'm, just, I'm just like kind of crazy like that. I'm always moving, always doing stuff. So even if I go on a holiday, I had a girlfriend for a couple of years um, up until about last year, this time last year. And uh, that was the only time really where I actually went away somewhere and didn't like do do like physical activity, doing sport and stuff. You know, I actually mm. chilled out a bit. So yeah, it's, it's probably gonna take a woman to make me like, <laughs> more, you know, yeah. To be honest, yeah. <laughs> that's great. I want to move now on to some more of the staple travel talks questions. Some massive questions. You've mentioned some huge cities so far on the podcast: London, Barcelona, LA. But what is your favorite city in the entire world? Mate, um, the first one that comes to my head is London, to be honest. Like, mm. I just, like, I know a lot of people hate London right now, but I love it. I think mm. it's such a great city. Like, when, th- when everything's going good, London's incredible. Like, summer in London, I just think it's so, so good. Summer in New York, summer in London. I like, I like London. I'm going to go with London. That's, that's the one okay. for me. There's just so much to do all the time. Like, just taking a bike, cycling around, like, 
You've mentioned like quite an impressive list of places that you've you've travelled to uh, so far. But if we had to narrow you down and just say, what's your favourite country in the world that you visited and why? Where would you say favourite country? Because I said I said before um, Oman and Brazil. They're they're yeah. like big ones for me. Um, I'm think it's it's really hard to say, man. It's like asking me what my favorite food is. I don't, I don't know. Cause that like, comes I mean, later. that's coming. <laughs> it's like, if you ask me that, it's like, yeah, well, I mean, you wouldn't eat pizza every day of the week, even if it's your favorite food, you wouldn't eat that or you might, but you wouldn't eat every, every single meal and eat nothing else. You know, like, I don't know, man. Like I I'm privileged with like, you know, being in the social media era now with Instagram and stuff like I can live anywhere I want. Mm. Uh, in the world and I, and I choose to live here you know for a reason mm. in, in london so but in terms of traveling oh man i, I can't really tell you I, i'm gonna go with i'm gonna go with i'm gonna go with rio i think yeah i'm gonna go with rio rio yeah yeah you spent a lot of time there and i think that that often helps isn't it when you get to experience a lot of different places within a country tell you one place i didn't say tokyo japan i, I really uh, nice I think like, I'm sure the whole of the country is incredible and I really want to travel around Japan, but I've been to Tokyo a few times and man, that is, that is, that's a good place. Like the, the food there is insane. Like just the city is mad as well. Like it's absolutely crazy. Those, those places, man. I see it. I've, now I'm mm. like, I can't just say one. Like it's just, yeah. No, it's great. It's great. I, I want us to talk a little bit about Oman. You've mentioned it a few times, but it's a place which I know nothing about. And I imagine most of our listeners don't really know much about it either. Could you give us a bit of information about what the country's kind of like? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, the capital city, Muscat, um, basically, like, this is how I found out about Oman, because I didn't know anything about the, the country as well. It's actually, a lot of people think Oman is in the UAE, United mm. Arab Emirates, or in the Middle East, but it's actually just on the side of the UAE. It's, mm. uh, so it's kind of like a Middle Eastern country, but it's actually in Asia. Mm. So, um, yeah, so, but it's not like most Asian countries. Obviously, there are a lot of countries in Asia are different, but it's more like a Middle Eastern country, I'd say, with the culture um, and that side of things. So, you know, it's predominantly Muslim culture over there, um, I believe. And it's got a coastline as well. So you've got the like beautiful beaches. There's lots of space. There's not that many people for the amount of space. So, you know, you can travel around in cars and just be driving on a road, not seeing any houses or, or people for, for hours and hours of driving. Yeah. And there's, there's mountains there. Um, nice Springs. There's these like little markets or souks, they call them where you can mm-hmm. go in and, you know, like, check them out it's yeah it's a cool place man like i went there for the muscat festival which was like uh i don't know it was kind of they had different circus acts and stuff like that there and i, I was performing with two of my friends from france um for about three weeks we were there traveling around performing and stuff so it was cool we went to different mosques it's just different culture you know so it was interesting to see it how much does that play a part in where you choose to travel the culture and immersing yourself in somewhere which is completely different to where you live? Well, a lot of the time I don't choose to. I mean, obviously I can choose to decline uh, performances, but sometimes like I'll mm. have a performance offer from a place and, you know, if the deal's good and I accept it, you know, I'll be excited to see the country. At the moment, it's, you know, I'm, I'm declining most international events because just too much hassle with COVID, mm. too much risk as well. Yeah, it does play a part for sure. Okay, so let's let's talk about food. We said we were going to, so we've, we've reached that section. <laughs> Would you consider yourself a foodie? Are you a big food fan? Massive, yeah, massive. Nice, okay. that's what we like to hear. And I've got like the biggest appetite. Like, the, like, yeah, if you know me, like if you knew me, like my friends knew me, like, yeah, you wouldn't even ask that question. Like, I, I, <laughs> I could eat for England for sure. I, I mean, I don't know about world champion status, but I, I could, I could eat a lot more <laughs> okay. than you would imagine that I could eat. Like, it's just. It's, it's, it's a bit messed up how, how much I can eat. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know where it, where it goes, but one day when I stop doing sport, I'm going to be incredibly fat. Put it <laughs> yeah, you'll find out where it goes then. Yeah. <laughs> how important is it to you to try the local foods of a place that you're in and immerse yourself in that way? Massive, man. That's like one of the first things I do. Like, that's why I was saying I love Japan. Like, because I knew like going there, like the seafood's going to be amazing. The mm. ramen, the, the sushi, like... Mm-hmm 
all that stuff like so i was just straight away like going into the markets going into the fish markets like it's like a big deal for me when i travel yeah 100 nice okay so following on from that excluding japan what where would you say is the best country for food in the world that you've experienced i love thailand thailand thai food's incredible like you know that's that's amazing um and over there it's so cheap as well it's it's like so good and so cheap yeah big portions that's good oh uh hong kong as well hong kongese food is incredible that's 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 good that's like a kind of like secret one i'd say like a lot mm-hmm. of people don't know about that but i'd say hong kong definitely one of the best places italy as well like it's an obvious oh, of one of course uh, like i went to uh lecce for a competition it's in the south of italy it's kind of like a yeah it's like a very old old town it's got like a big roman amphitheater and stuff and like all the old uh markets there and cafes and restaurants and stuff and it's just like the best pasta and the best just like all the italian food you know it's just like so good yeah so i'd say that was describe that pasta to us what kind of pasta are you gonna go for whenever i go to italy i just get like carbonara carbonara like i love it salty the like the most salty carbonara possible just like yeah yeah that's it for me okay well i mean based on some of the things you've done both competitively and non-competitively is there a travel or holiday or a trip you've been on that means the most to you experience wise that meant a lot to me i always wanted to go to the great war china that was a big one mm. for me. So traveling to Beijing, I also won um, the first round of the World World Series there. And it was during a year where I had a lot of injury and I didn't expect that I was going to win. I really just thought, okay, I, I'm only going because I've never been to China. You know, part of the itinerary said go to, uh, hiking in the Great Wall of China. I was like, okay. I also had to compete as part of my contract. So I was like, okay. Um, so I went over there and, and experience wise, like that's one that meant a lot to me. Cause I always wanted to climb to the great wall China and mm. that was like a bucket list thing. So, and it was just amazing. It's like better than I ever imagined. So that one's probably up there in terms of experiences. I also just like, whenever I travel with my, with my family, it's a big deal for me, especially now that they're getting older like traveling mm-hmm. with my dad somewhere, you know, that's that's always a, a good trip. Whenever we go on like a ski holiday, hopefully, you know, things will open up soon so we can go on some more before he, you know, decides he doesn't fancy skiing anymore. So, yeah, somewhere like that, like South, like, um, yeah, like like maybe even Italy. I've never skied in Italy, so I'd like to go there. Describe the Great Wall of China to us. Obviously, it's an amazing wonder of the world. What was your reaction when you saw it? Because it just goes on for further than the eye could ever possibly see. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I've only been to a very small part of the Great of Wall of China. I think it like takes like a year to walk it or something <laughs> ridiculous like that. Like, that's probably a bit inaccurate, but like, yeah, it's it's a ridiculously impressive uh, structure, and you can see it for miles as well when you're there, and you just like. It's, it's, it's incredible. And we actually, there's like a very typical tourist um, path to go up there. And we didn't go that on that one. We went the more like local nice aging path that like more of the locals go on. And it was like a two hour, two and a bit hour walk, like mm-hmm. a hike really. It's pretty steep as well. And that just added to it for me. Like all the other freestylers, I felt like they weren't up for it as much as me. I was like, <laughs> I was I was really down for it. I was like, oh, this is gonna be sick, and I was just like, almost like jogging up it because because I was so happy. I was like, I can't believe we're actually going up here, and um, just yeah, like it's just an incredible thing just to know like a bit about the history of it. You know, I don't know like know too much, but I know it was a big separation between you know different countries and you know the war and. Mm-hmm all that stuff um and it's just like it's cra- a crazy structure like just to think that man built that like yeah. it's just oh, it's, it's so um, hard to get your head around isn't it yeah so i mean yeah it was cool man very cool very very cool i did the similar route to you just i didn't want to go on the uh the tourist route because i heard there's one bit where you can literally get a cable car to the top of it and i was like i don't want any part of that yeah no <laughs> i was quite surprised but just going a little bit further afield and doing a different route of the wall how like there were points where we were completely on our own and you can just see the wall for miles it was like amazing did you have a similar experience yeah like it was literally just us like our group for the whole trip like the whole walk there and back there was no one else in sight 
It was, it was crazy, yeah. Wow. And then you hear about this other place where they get the cable car up and there's just like a thousand people on the wall. Mm. Yeah, like, I've seen that place. I mean, it looks nice there. The view looks kind of, it looks like there's maybe, I don't know, it looks nice there as well. I can see why that's the tourist place. Mm. But the bit that I went to, the wall was kind of more like falling down and like different yeah. parts were like breaking off and stuff. And I was like, okay, well, I can see why it's not the tourist place, you know, because it's probably not safe in parts. But yeah. May, it kind of added to it a bit more. I, I think both are pretty good, though, right? What did you think of the food in China? I'm just, uh, I'm just asking from, because when I went to Beijing personally, I, like, I was really excited to try the food because mm-hmm. um, I love Chinese food. Mm-hmm. But over there, I, I couldn't find that. Like, just walking around and going to places, there weren't that many good restaurants. I didn't think when I was in Beijing. No, they're not like in China, they're not big foodies. And like most of I was having this conversation the other day, actually, I think it's more about, you know, their idea of the best broth or the best certain type of food is like their grandmother's recipe. It doesn't look like anything like you don't get it in a restaurant. So because of that, Mm. it's all kind of within you're more likely to eat better if you eat with the with people that live there than you are if you go to a restaurant because they're trying to like cater for people as opposed to like sharing recipes. But yeah, I had a similar experience where they were just kind of doing what we expected you know like here's the dishes that you might be used to as opposed to but really it's like the little tiny little stalls in the in the back of the hutongs you know that you go that's where you find like an amazing dish it's not the restaurants and stuff yeah definitely definitely that local finding the little local spots and it always helps that's one of the great things about freestyle that i should probably talk about as well because it's quite interesting it's like wherever i travel and i know freestylers from that country Mm, so yeah. there's freestylers all over the world and you know so many freestylers everywhere i go hit me up like yo come over to my place or i'll show you around and they all know the local spots so if i go to china or if i go to vietnam or something i have a local guy there who will just like introduce me to his like family cook for me we'll travel around he'll show me like all the best local spots that like you know a tourist wouldn't know so that's definitely one of like the the best parts I'd say about being a freestyler. That's amazing. Sounds that's good, like man. exclusive, you know, that's a that's a proper, you know, travel experience there when you get local knowledge. Yeah, it's amazing. Um it's yeah, I'm so lucky for that. And and also like even if like, you know, I wasn't doing a performance or something, I can always stay at someone's house as well, like wherever I go, like everyone in the community is so friendly and yeah, it's just yeah, it's it's really nice, man. Just getting to try that local food and and like the real the real experience of that place rather than like what you think is like authentic and then you and you think like oh this was such a special experience and then you see the hashtag on instagram and everyone's got mm. the same photo or the mm. you know same thing and it's not quite as authentic as it might seem you know yeah i get you we've spoken so glowingly about travel and the amazing things it allows us in our life but we haven't touched on the negative side as much as perhaps we should so let's do that now is there a place in the world that you would never go back to no not really i mean i've i've been to egypt right like three three or four times Mm. Um, it's the only place that i've been to where the experience sometimes wasn't as good like Mm. sometimes it wasn't quite as good like sometimes it was amazing one time i went around the north coast and it was amazing but one time i went to cairo got like i was doing a shoot there they were very unorganized and like they were, a guy a security came out of this like uh, the old town there with a gun he's like pointing the gun at everyone it's just like very mm. negative experience and stuff like that but would i go back to egypt yeah i'd still go back there um yeah. yeah i'd go back everywhere probably yeah i don't really have a negative i have a few negative experiences like that in 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 the travels of course you you know traveling around the world and like i said i love adventure so you're gonna have some negative experiences from exploring, you know, and just traveling around and getting in different situations, especially in like different countries where like not everyone's nice and, you know, and there are dangerous parts of the place, but Mm. for the most part, it's pretty good. Yeah. I'd say I'll I'll go basically anywhere. There's a lot of places I still want to go to as well that I haven't been. So So in terms of your outlook on travel, then you mentioned there that there's places you want to go to that you haven't been, but equally you're happy to go back to some places. How do you view travel? Is it a sense of ticking off countries and trying to achieve as many as you can? Or are you happy to go back and just recreate experiences that you once had? Yeah, both. I mean, it's not just about ticking them off, but like 
it's more yeah it's just about living in the moment i guess when when i go there so you know i've uh, like i've been to a lot of countries multiple times um i mean it's both really but i always want to explore new places as well like i said you know even about china like there's a lot of places in china that i didn't explore that i'd like mm-hmm. to or like I said about Malaysia, there's a lot of places there that I it would be. I'm sure it'd be great to visit. So I'd love to go back there. But I have never been to India, and I I know I've got like a big part of my fan base is over in India, and I always get messages like come to India, come to India, and mm. I I really want to go and and explore India, travel around there maybe for like three weeks, four weeks, something like that. So I'd say like that's that's a big place that I'd like to go to New Zealand as well. I'd say those two are the ones. And that leads us really nicely into the final question. What it, which countries sit right at the very top of your bucket list? Bucket list for me, India, New Zealand. Where else? Where else? There's, there's a couple. I, I have them stored somewhere that I'm like, I've got like a file saved where, where, I've, got nice. them, okay. where I've got them that I want to go. But yeah, Fiji would be cool mm-hmm. as well. Oh, I've lost it. But India and New Zealand are the two main ones. Also, parts of South America, like um, Peru, Paraguay, mm. Chile, Argentina, like basically every part of South America other than Brazil. Like I've already been to Brazil a lot. I'd like to go like to, yeah, South America, basically like the entire continent and um, uh, New Zealand and India. They're the main ones for me, yeah. It's a good list. And one final question before we finish in terms of things to do obviously New Zealand you mentioned the fact that you love adventure and that's what you seek in holiday New Zealand's perhaps the best place in the entire world in that sense is there one thing that sticks out in terms of things that you want to do in your life in terms of travel do you know what like the last few years I ticked a good a lot a load of stuff off the bucket list like done the skydiving done all those typical ones and like at some stage I quite like to wingsuit like oh, wow, really? <laughs> crazy, yeah. And okay. like, I feel I, I heard that you've got to do X number of skydives. Then you've got to be able to skydive by yourself. Then you've got to do that a certain amount of time. Then you can wingsuit. But that would be hey, how crazy would that be? Like flying, next level, yeah. That would be extreme. So I'd like to do that. That would be that would be cool. <laughs> Well, Andrew, it's been an absolute pleasure, mate. Quality, quality episode. Really appreciate you taking the time to come on to Travel Talks. I want to give you now the chance to promote your new book, How to Be a Better Footballer. Tell us what it's about and why people should go to Waterstones and buy it. Yeah, so the book, basically, if you want to learn freestyle football skills or you want to find out a bit more about like the life of a freestyler, you've already heard a bit today about like kind of how I travel and that side of things, but you're going to sort of, find out more about the experiences working with some of the best football players in the world like Ronaldo, Messi, Neymar and you'll get some inside tips from them some bits of motivation there's some fun games and different bits in the, in the book as well so it's good for kids I'd say to keep them entertained but it's good for people of all ages especially if you are interested in football skills and you want to improve your football game as well the traditional game you know if you want to improve your touch your control coordination that sort of thing. So it's going to help. And yeah, like you said, it's it's out in uh, Waterstones and it's also on Amazon. So yeah, check it out. Amazing, mate. Legend. Mate, thanks so much for chatting with us. It's been a pleasure. Pleasure. Cheers, guys. Thank you. So there we go. Episode 33 with Andrew Henderson. An absolutely amazing chat. What a guy. Such a motivational person. Some of the things he's achieved in his life are absolutely incredible. For sure. He's got like, because when he was talking about his outlook when he was just starting, so Mm. wise. So like level-headed and wise at such a young age. I was listening to him being like, I wish I had that sort of (laughs) foresight when I was 19 or whatever. But you know, to overcome what he has at a young age and also go on to achieve so much, you know, amazing. He's definitely got a buzz for travel. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Where you can, you, the way he talks about it, you can hear it, can't you? Yeah, you really can. You really can. Kind of gets you wanting to travel again. And that hopefully will be happening soon. Hopefully. Fingers crossed. But now's the time where we need favours from the audience. So I imagine we're going to have so many new listeners off the back of this huge episode. So if we could call any new listeners who've enjoyed and got to this stage of the podcast, which is a kind of inclination that you enjoyed it, if you could click subscribe and do us a huge, huge favour, if you've got Apple Podcasts, to head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. It really, really goes a long way and helps us out massively. And of course, make sure those notifications are turned on so you don't miss when the next episode of Travel Talks gets uploaded, which is next Monday. So come back then for more.